Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to Sports Nothing But Sports with Kent Sterling for Thursday, October 3rd, 2019. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Give them a call. Become Dr. Mike O'Neill's next new patient. I did it 25 years ago. I've never looked back. I'm never going anywhere else. 317-849-2933. Today, we are devoting the entirety of Sports Nothing But Sports to the NCAA and misconceptions about the NCAA because of SB 206. A lot of people talking about SB 206. You know what that is. It's the Fair Pay to Play Act in California. There's going to be federal legislation that is brought to the House floor by Representative Anthony Gonzalez at some point during the upcoming couple of months. He wants a law in place federally that compels the NCAA to not penalize those who make money, those student-athletes who make money monetizing their likeness or making endorsement deals where they get paid, obviously, to endorse some kind of client operation, a good or a service. So we've got seven misconceptions. What are they? Number seven, it's easy for college programs to not cheat. In fact, it's really difficult to stay within the boundaries of the rules because the rules are very complicated, they're very convoluted, and the rule book is about yay thick. There are lots of rules. In fact, so many rules that universities like Indiana, Purdue, Butler, they have compliance staffs. It's not a compliance guy or a compliance woman. It's a compliance staff that maintains a vigil over the programs at the school and makes sure that the coaches know what is permissible and what is not. You need attorneys in those, in those positions because the NCAA has made it impossible through their legislation for coaches to be able to police themselves. The schedules, they're unwieldy. It's not like just don't pay players. It's not that. The schedules are crazy to the point where, and I'll give you an example that we many of us remember here in the state of Indiana, Indiana University assistant basketball coach Tim Buckley went to visit Gary Harris at Hamilton Southeastern High School. He was one day outside the open period where that kind of visit was absolutely permissible and in fact encouraged. 
One day outside, Indiana had to self-report, and there you go. People shouted from the rooftops, hey, Indiana's, they're a bunch of cheaters. They're not cheaters. They just misapplied the the calendar. And so what you had was a violation, a minor violation, but a violation nonetheless. There are rules on top of rules on top of rules because coaches, they like to expand the the window for what is not a violation. They search for those loopholes because they search. It's part of their DNA. They're searching for any advantage that they can gain over their brethren. And so these rules have continued to become more and more complicated to the point where now it's almost impossible to follow them. Number six, fair pay for play will destroy the NCAA. The concept of the NCAA being destroyed by anything is ludicrous because the NCAA is a member organization that is operated solely by its institutions. So here's how it works. The universities and colleges who are NCAA, like Division I, Division II, Division Three, that kind of thing, they're all part of the NCAA. And the NCAA, instead of lording over them, these institutions, they compel the NCAA to operate at their whim. And the NCAA does a lot of things other than just maintain a vigil over the rules. It also determines eligibility. You've got the eligibility clearinghouse, right? You've got the championships for all the sports that are operated by the NCAA. You have a lot of things that go on in Indianapolis on West Washington Street that determine kind of why people participate in collegiate athletics and and put them in a position to enjoy collegiate athletics and derive the best positive outcome from their participation in collegiate athletics. You can't reduce the NCAA to its rule book and the application of the rule book. That's what we see more often than not when the NCAA comes down on a school like North Carolina State or Kansas or Louisville. We see that. And we recognize it, and it makes the headlines, but the NCAA does much more than that, and it is a required part of the collegiate athletic equation, and if it wasn't, it never would have been created over 100 years ago, and current membership in it would not be seen as something that was positive for the athletes or the institutions. The institutions need the NCAA. And they will always need the NCAA. And so the NCAA will always exist. Number five, 20 hours means 20 hours. Yeah, the mandate that student athletes are only available to work for 20 hours a week in order to give them time to study or have other jobs, that's a complete myth. And, and I'll give you a great example, and this is from the NCAA itself. What doesn't apply toward the 20 hours? Compliance meetings don't apply. Meetings with a coach initiated by the student athlete don't apply. Drug and alcohol educational meetings, uh, champs, life skills meetings, they don't apply. Study halls, tutoring, academic meetings, study table doesn't apply. Student athlete advisory committee, captain's council meetings don't apply. Voluntary weight training not conducted by a coach or staff member, they do not apply. Voluntary sport-related activities initiated by the student athlete, no attendance taken, no coach present, they don't apply. So this is going to like cook hall and shooting. All right, you want to get up an extra 500 shots. It's not happening during the 20 hours. That happens on your own time. And no coach can say, hey, did you get your 500 shots up today? But wink, 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 wink. Hey, what have you been doing on your own, right? 
That's the way it works. Traveling to and from the site of a a competition as long as no countable activities occur. Training room activities, recruiting activities like being a student host, training table meals, attending banquets, fundraising activities or public relations slash promotional activities and community service projects. Here's another thing. All right. Any competition counts as three hours regardless of their length, all right, and the associated activities. So you fly from Bloomington to Madison, Wisconsin to take on the Badgers in basketball, and you do it the day before, and you return the night of the game. That counts as three hours. So you've got 17 hours left. This is a full-time job. If you want to do it right, you are committing at least 40 hours a week, and that's both in-season and out-of-season to your sport and your team and your coach, whether it's mandated or not, wink, wink, 20 hours does not come close to approximating the responsibilities, the times necessary to complete the responsibilities of being a student athlete, not even a little bit. Number four, this will weaponize boosters. Hey, if you don't think boosters are already weaponized, you're out of your mind, all right? What this would do, the Fair Pay for Play Act, it would codify their inclusion in uh, the student-athletes' legal activities, okay? So if you've got, let's say, Ken Nunn down at Indiana, you know, he's a, uh, he's a lawyer, he's a guy, and uh, he is very, very involved with Indiana Athletics and a, a sponsor at a very large level for Indiana Athletics, if he decided, you know what, I'd like Demise Anderson to be a spokesperson for what I do, and he's going to pay Demise Anderson 10000 bucks. All right, that'd be allowable under the Fair Pay for Play Act. Let's take another booster running another business. We'll call him Booster X. Right now, he might do the same thing, but he's got it kind of on the side, right, on the sly, where the guy just shows up for something, or a guy just wants to slip the guy some money and say, hey, thanks for coming. You know, that kind of thing happens all the time in college athletics. This would just codify it. It would not weaponize it. It, it would just make it, it, it would bring it above the table, right? It would make it transparent. It would be able to be managed by the university and by the student athlete in a way where it's not some cigar chomping guy under the bleachers handing a kid an envelope and then expecting maybe something in return down the line. This would be like a business dealing. It would be good. It would be good for the student athlete. It would be good for the university. It would be good for the booster who doesn't need to be lurking around throwing kids envelopes. You can just do it as a, a, during the course of your normal business. Now, what this is going to mean, too, is that right now, boosterism and throwing kids cash, that's a cash business. They're not giving kids checks, right? And they're, th- what all that cash just goes in the kid's pocket. It's never declared as part of his earned income on any kind of an income tax form. In this case, they would be taxed. And as soon as this becomes legal, they're going to be 1099 and they're going to be taxed. And that's going to be a pain in the ass for the student athletes. And if they don't understand how that works, then you've got a whole nother kettle of fish. You've got a bunch more problems for the universities where the universities are going to be like, hey, did you file your taxes? Did you remember this 1099? You remember that one? Because they don't want their kids to lose eligibility because they're doing time as a result of tax fraud or as a result of income tax evasion 
Pete Rose did serious time at Marion Penitentiary in Southern Illinois for just that. So look, you know what? Now maybe I'm starting to talk myself into seeing this be maybe not the best thing for universities where they're not worried about the boosters anymore. They're worried about Uncle Sam because Uncle Sam is going to audit their kids. And if the audits go south, then these kids are either going to owe cash or they're going to do time. Hmm. That's something to think about. We'll, we'll give that some additional thought. Number three, fair pay for play comes at the expense of other athletes. No, 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 no. It doesn't come at the expense of anybody. This is, this is extra money. This is, this is what would now be considered booster money coming in, in the form of paychecks like we just discussed. And by the way, good for us. Through these discussions, and granted, I'm just having this discussion with myself and now with you, we're, we're coming to, the, to kind of see what goes on at these, uh, at these conference tables where these deals are done. Right where we're thinking, all right, well, what are the pitfalls potentially of some of these changes? Well, you know what? We just talked about income tax, but no, this is not money coming out of the university's coffers that will go to student athlete A instead of student athlete B. This is about businesses. Or how about in the case of YouTube? Guys in the Colts locker room, was ta- they were talking about this yesterday. You got a YouTube channel or you've got an Instagram account. And because of your posts on Instagram and YouTube, all of a sudden you're making a little bit of cash and you're becoming an influencer. Well, there's nothing wrong with that, is there? And so they would be able to get money in that way. The student athletes would be able to. That's not money out of the pockets of somebody else. Student athlete B is not getting screwed because student athlete A is getting paid. They're getting paid just like anybody else would be paid for the work that they did as an endorser or through the licensing of their likeness. It's just that simple. Number two, players are poor. The issues of student-athlete poverty have really been mitigated because of the cost-of-living stipend that the NCAA allows at this point. In many cases, and I talked to Anthony Walker about this yesterday, he was a linebacker at Northwestern University, and he was actually putting money in the bank. He, that stipend was terrific for him. Now, the Big Ten and the Horizon League are completely different. They have different levels of revenue and different levels of expense for their student-athletes. But at most places, at least in the Power Five, food is available 24-7, not just, you know, when the training table is open, when the athlete cafeteria is open. They can get food anytime they want, and if they don't want to go to the the place where they can get the food on the university, they can order it and pay for it with their stipend. The days of student athletes being impoverished are mostly gone. Now, where they still exist, they've got to be corrected. This, The Fair Pay for Play Act does nothing to remedy this. What it does is allow those student athletes who are marketable to charge a fee for their presence or their endorsement or the license for their likeness. That's the way this works. They can sign things and get paid for it. They can do YouTube and get paid for it. They can 
uh, stump for an insurance agency or a restaurant in their town and get paid for it. They can do all of those things and they can get cash. Now, how that's going to be negotiated and with an agent and that kind of thing, that's where a, a bit of a slippery slope exists. But that can all be corrected for God's sake. You've got it in the NFL. You've got it in all the professional sports and the world keeps spinning just fine. All right. These guys develop over time a marketability. They all are not the same. Offensive linemen at Indiana University, you know what? They're not as visible as a guy like Michael Penix or a guy like Stevie Scott. So Stevie Scott and Penix, they're going to get paid, and their teammates, they might not get paid. And that's the way life works. I know that doesn't seem necessarily fair, and it might cause disruption in a locker room, but that's the way life works. I got friends who are millionaires many, many times over. I'm not. Am I pissed off about it? No. I'd like to be in their position, but I don't spend my time lamenting the fact that these guys have great wealth and I, I'm doing okay, but I don't have the kind of wealth they have. We get through it. We're just fine. We vacation together. We enjoy each other. I love them just as much as I would otherwise. That's what's going to have to happen in these locker rooms. And number one, the NCAA is a dictatorship. Yeah, we heard this from Draymond Green earlier in the week, right? The NCAA is a dictatorship. It's not at all a dictatorship. It's a member institution, all right? It is comprised. It is nothing but its members, and the members determine the policy that the NCAA exerts upon all of its members. It's a self-sustaining, self-legislating body. It's not Mark Emmert from on top of a mountain shouting things through a megaphone or carrying tablets down and saying, here are the Ten Commandments of college athletics. It's not that. It's university presidents coming together and determining what student athletes are responsible for, how they become eligible to pursue that responsibility, what are the rules, how are we going to split the money. It's all of that. The NCAA doesn't have some big vat of cash. It's not the Fort Knox of college athletics. All the money the NCAA takes in, it spends on salaries at the NCAA, but the vast majority of it, that other big pile of cash, it goes out to the members. That's what happens. The NCAA deal with CBS to broadcast March Madness, that money goes to the members. It's dispersed. All of it. That's how the NCAA works. It's not some corporation that is, is taking a toll, exacting a tariff from its members. The members determine exactly what happened. It is a pure democracy among all the members of the NCAA. To call them the NCAA a dictatorship somehow, my God, Draymond Green is a, a, a smart guy who played college basketball at Michigan State. If, you, if you're a student athlete and you don't know how the NCAA operates, what the hell are you doing? Right. That's why going to work every day and not knowing for whom you work or not understanding. And you don't work for the NCAA. You work for the university. But you've got to understand that the university is what drives policy in Indianapolis. And if you don't understand that, what are you doing? Right. It's not a dictatorship. It's a pure democracy of all its members, each of its members being an equal representative of among the membership 
They determine everything that the NCAA is. That is the only reason the NCAA exists. It's not like the NCAA came along and said, you know what, we need college sports because college sports is going to generate wealth for us. So let's talk to all the colleges and decide uh, you got to do this and we're going to run stuff. That's not the way it is. It's, it, the NCAA was created by the United States government, I think under Teddy Roosevelt, to make sure that uh, student athletes were cared for properly and that everybody who belonged to the NCAA had an equal share in it and they determined their own course of actions. And the thing has kind of grown and metastasized over the generations, certainly from Walter Byers being the president and kind of being the father of modern college athletics as it is, all the way to Mark Emmert, who is now the president of the uh, NCAA. Um, But what it is, Mark Emmert doesn't dictate to schools. Schools dictate to Mark Emmert that's the way this thing operates. And to think that it operates in some other way is just foolishness. And Draymond Green, frankly, should know better. Those are the seven misconceptions about the NCAA I wanted to talk about today. Maybe we'll have another day where we talk about another seven. There are a lot of misconceptions about college athletics and about the NCAA, but that's what we had time for today. So that's what we presented tomorrow morning, 8 o'clock, Facebook Live, Breakfast with Kent, and then at about 8.15 on Periscope Live, we do it again. It's a show so nice we do it twice. Tomorrow, Big Friday, we'll go over the high school football schedule. We will talk about the Colts. Who's injured? Who's not? Who looks like he's going to be up? Is Darius Leonard going to be up? Is he going to be down? What about T.Y. Hilton? What about Marlon Mack? We talk about all that tomorrow morning. Breakfast with Kent right here brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry. Give them a call, 317-849-2933. Join me then. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.